Hey Enneagram friends, I'm Abby, an IEA accredited Enneagram coach and certified somatic experiencing practitioner. In today's episode, we're going to pick right back up where we left off in episode 33 with the relationship advice. In that first episode, we went through types one all the way through to type five. So if you haven't heard that episode yet, and those are the numbers you're most curious about, go back and listen to that one first. And then in today's episode, we are going to look at type six all the way through to type nine. Before we jump into the advice for each of those types, I again want to invite you to join the one hour virtual Enneagram Instincts and Relationship Workshop that's happening at the end of February. This one hour workshop is designed for couples. There's going to be a lot of space for you to discuss with just your partner about your specific relationship and how your instinctual stacking impacts that relationship, both in positive gifts that you bring into that relationship, as well as some of these tension and and tricky spots of your relationship as well. The event is only $25 per couple. And so I hope that you will join in and be curious about one of your most significant relationships, the relationship with your partner and your significant other. Okay, friends, let's jump into our our teaching space about these last four types. And again, this is advice for relating well to that type, Um, things to be curious about, to keep in mind, to hold that perspective of as we are learning to live well and love well those we're in relationship with. For those of you in relationship with type sixes, One of the things that I want to um, invite you into and encourage you as a piece of relationship advice for that connection with that type six is to be mindful of how you respond in the moments when they are second guessing themselves or are concerned about the potential outcomes or the, the potential concerns that they are seeing as things are unfolding in the future or they're making plans for things. In those moments when they are kind of externally processing some of the concern or some of the worry, some of the the doubt or fear, our response often is to try to pep talk them out of that response. And so we will say things like, you know, just trust yourself or don't worry about it or um, don't be so pessimistic or maybe really unhelpful things like you're kind of being crazy about this, right? Some of these things that we might be, you know, in our own type structure, having a reaction and, and we're showing up in a way that's not super honoring of how we wanted to show up. We just reacted before we really thought through what we were saying. But sometimes we think we're actually being helpful by, uh, you know, coaching them into trusting themselves or coaching them into not worrying. And just because you tell someone to stop worrying or to not be so worked up or concerned or, or whatever, doesn't mean that they're going to stop worrying or stop being concerned or stop being so worked up about something. It doesn't work that way. And in the same way, it doesn't work for us either. And so in those moments when a type six that you love is, is processing the concerns or the cause and effect that something might have or, or second guessing themselves um, in a decision or and how they already did something, instead of trying to coach them by offering advice, my encouragement is to listen, to be present, to be curious, and to remind them of what they already know to be true. 
what they have already stated to be true, what they've already discovered, what they've already articulated matters to them or what they care about. Um, In these moments, as they are processing the concern, when they reveal this truth uh, in the sense of it will be okay, repeating back to them their own language, not telling them, you know, snap out of it, it'll be okay. But as they are processing their experience and they get to these moments of, but I know it will be okay with their own language, um, reminding them of what they've already discovered to be to be true. Um, in these moments, a practice for type sixes that are listening to this um, is in that moment to take a, a pause and to breathe and to, to calm down some of the internal um, nervousness or, um, you know, uh, type six a while back in a coaching session referred to as this like, you know, um, dysregulated jangly um, feeling. And, and in that, you know, this um, our nervous system is having this response of, of concern and fear. And so in that, as a type six, giving yourself a moment to pause, to breathe, and to collect yourself in this conversation. So for the type sixes that are listening, that's a helpful piece of advice. Um, but for those of you in relationship with type sixes, as you are navigating this piece, to be curious, to offer support by being there in that moment and offering your presence in that moment and reminding them of what they already know to be true in that space. For those of you in relationship with type sevens, one of the pieces of advice that I want to offer you is to be aware of the difficulty that sevens can have in, in fully allowing themselves to experience and articulate uh, these more tender emotions like fear and shame and disappointment and sadness and grief. And so in the moments when they are uh, sharing with you or it, they're coming to that point where they're about to share being really conscious of how challenging that can be for them. And so taking an extra step towards them to make that process easier, whether that is by letting them know that you are there, that you see them, that you hear them, and removing distractions, you know, some of these um, unnecessary nonverbals that we can have and not realize how distracting that is for someone when they're sharing. And so giving them your full attention in that space, also just acknowledging with them that it's okay. You know, it's it's okay to feel sad. That's a very normal response when we lose something that we love or someone that we love. It's okay to feel disappointed. It's a bummer when ideas don't pan out the way that we wanted to. It's okay to be afraid. There's a lot of uncertainty going on. You know, sometimes when we, we have these really tender emotions, um, no matter what your type is, our response is to try to make someone feel better. And we try to do that by fixing that emotion for them. But sevens, like the rest of us, they don't need their emotion fixed. Even if they think they want their emotion fixed, um, that's not actually what they need. They don't need a pep talk. They don't need a let's go get a beer and let's go hang out and, and get past this bump in the road. What is actually best in that moment is giving them some space to fully experience their emotion, to um, to articulate what's going on, to be curious about what's going on, and to know that it's perfectly fine um, that they're experiencing this. It's, it's okay. It's a normal human response. 
you know, sometimes for sevens, um, as, as part of this idolized image of themselves, it's this perception that I, I have to just always be okay. I have to be a beat. I have to be lighthearted. I have to be, you know, the energizer or kind of the spark plug. And in these moments when they're having um, a hard time or, or even they're having this season of, of grief, a season of a hard time, they start to kind of question their identity of, of who am I if I'm only ever sad? Who am I if I only ever feel anxious and I'm not the life of the party and I'm not the fun one, I'm not the optimistic one or the playful one? And they start to kind of get into this space of feeling um, just bad, bad about not being able to provide that gift of their type structure. And so if you can alleviate some of that um, pressure by letting them know it's okay. It's okay that you feel like a mess right now. It's okay that this is a messy season or or disappointing season, a hard season, a season of grief. Um, I still love you. I'm still with you in it. Um, and I can be present in this moment too, whether you um, are a bundle of fun and joy or not. And so alleviating some of the anxiety they might feel around having tender emotions, especially when it lasts for a longer amount of time, um, offering that gift of showing up, of being present and letting them know it's okay for them to show up in whatever way is true for them in that moment. For those of you in relationship with type eights, one of the pieces of advice that I want to offer is to be mindful of, of just how challenging it can be for type eights to ask for help. You know, that um, that vulnerability range for type eights can be really different from one type eight of what they consider to be vulnerable to another type eight of what they consider to be vulnerable. But in general, in the spaces where they are aware that they need help, they feel helpless, they've either... Uh, forecasted ahead of time of this is a lot I'm going to need help or they have tried to do it all themselves and hit the wall and now are aware that they need some help picking up the pieces. Either way, asking for help can be really challenging for type eights so much so that they just won't. They will just deny their physical limitations and just keep doing everything on their own. But in these tender moments when they ask you for help, to be aware of how challenging that is for them and to approach that with compassion. Compassion in listening to asking curious questions to help them maybe process through how you can help or what help they might need. Um, If it is something that's very obvious, uh, being compassionate and extending the help that they're asking for. And, And also being compassionate in having some awareness that Uh, For type eights, it can be so difficult to ask for help that when they do ask for help, sometimes it's more assertive and forceful than they meant for it to be. And it can come out almost as um, a command or demand. And really in those moments, which, you know, you're allowed to be offended, whatever shows up in your experience, you're allowed to have that human emotion too. But extending this kindness by having um, an empathetic awareness that sometimes those moments are uh, AIDS kind of cry for help and they're not good at asking for help. So it's coming out sideways. You know, if you are not practiced at asking for help, you don't always know how to do it well. And that is a practice for AIDS um, and their experience of having this awareness that they need some help and asking for it. And so it can come out a little bit more rough or commanding or um, maybe even just really a definitive language around it um, in a way that is 
all masking this tender emotion underneath of, I need some help. Can you please help me? And so uh, having some awareness around that to extend some, some compassion towards their experience, but also leaning into those moments and realizing uh, it is hard. It is challenging for them to ask. And so doing what you can to enter into that space and to help in the ways that um, are needed in that season for them. For those of you in relationship with type nines, one of the gifts that you can really offer a type nine is creating space for them to process, to discern, and to name aloud their dreams and desires. You know, for the type nine structure, there can be an awareness of what they want, but sometimes that awareness it feels like it costs too much. It costs too much to name that desire or that dream or that want out loud. It might cost too too much resources, time, energy. It might stress their partner out. It might cause um, you know some some friction or tension or extra work on the part of others to make this thing happen. And so even when they have an awareness of it, it kind of gets. Um, shoved down or pushed aside so that they don't want it so much anymore. And so over time, um, as this, you know, doling effect over their wants and needs and preferences happens, um, that can happen so habitually that then it becomes really challenging to even discern what they want or hope for or dream about over time. And so as someone that loves them, giving them space and promptings and really encouraging them to name their dreams and to pursue those aspects. Sometimes this might take the form of asking, you know, asking in 10 years, what do you hope would be different about our current situation? What would you hope for our family? Maybe that's asking questions around how they want to spend their time and energy. You know, if they had three days without any guilt that they could just go do whatever they want, what would they go do? You know, some of these questions that uh, they don't have to commit to, they can just be curious and daydream with you can really start the conversation into feeling more comfortable naming what it is that they want or that they would hope for or that they deeply love. And as you uh, have these spaces to be curious with them, really giving them the ability to uh, take steps towards those dreams, again, without uh, fear of there being disconnection or um, tension or that they're taking up too much space or too many resources in doing these things and stating overtly that you are proud of them for pursuing this hobby, proud of them for taking on this project, proud of them for making steps towards this this job, this vocation that they would love to uh, step into. And and really showing that not just in your words, uh, but also in, in helping make those things happen. You know, as type nines begin to name what they want and desire and dream of, sometimes those things also can just feel so big. Like, how would I ever make that happen? However, would I ever allocate time for that or or bring this into fruition? And so especially if you're someone that is really good at helping people figure out, you know, how to make a plan or to get from point A to point B, that can also be a gift that you offer of, you know, here are all the things that you would need to do to make this happen and prioritizing it with the first step. So it is not this whole monumental list of, you know, here's 20 things you're going to have to do, but here's the first step. 
And so let's put this on the calendar. Let's make some time for this. Let's designate some finances to make this happen or or whatever it might be. Um, but offering this gift of being curious with them, of cheering them on, of being excited, and also alleviating some of the, um, the pressure or the difficulties around making that happen, both in um, taking things off their plate, encouraging them um, that we can give money, we can give time to these things, or even helping them make a plan um, so that we are inviting them into their passions, not pushing, but inviting them into their passions and really celebrating that aspect with them too. Friends, we have made it all the way around the circle from type one and to type five in the last episode and then type six through type nine in this episode. I hope that this invited you to be compassionate with the one that you love most, the people that you are um, in these committed lifelong or even new committed relationships. And if this episode was helpful, whether that was because I talked about your type and and it felt like helpful language to be able to share with uh, your spouse or your significant other share this episode with them. Let it be a conversation starter for you um, to have some language to, to share some things that um, are on your mind or, or are tricky for you or that you need some support in or, or even just a more gentle approach in your relationship. And I would love for you to join the Enneagram and Instincts uh, relationship event at the end of February. Again, it's just a one hour event. It is a really easy invitation for those of you that have um, spouses that are maybe interested or not uh, not as quite of a fanatic about the Enneagram as you might be, um, because there's no required knowledge of the Enneagram coming into this session. You don't even need to know your type, to be honest, because we're going to spend our time just talking about instincts. And there's an Enneagram type indicator that is going to be a part of that series so that they can take the assessment and and have a good sense of their dominant instinct and, and their instinctual stacking before we even start. It's only $25 per couple. It's a really easy way to be curious and to really invest in um, your marriage and your um, partnership and your significant relationship in your life. So I hope to see you there. The link to register is on my website and, and I'll put it in the show notes as well. 